Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor Tyson Harold, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thank you for being here today, and if you weren't able to be a part of the past three weeks, I just want to give you a quick recap. If you remember, we said in week one that Jonah, the book of Jonah, is ultimately about God. God's mentioned 37 time, or 38 times in 47 verses in the book of Jonah. And so we often think that Jonah's about the whale or Jonah's about Jonah, but it's really about God. It's what we've been singing about this time this morning. And in the first week, we said that God loves us enough that he'll allow some storms to come into our life to protect us from the biggest storm of all, which is our self. And if you remember week two, we, I said that Jonah, that Jonah prayed, and God does some of his best work in us when we're at the end of ourselves. And Jonah didn't pray when God told him to go to Nineveh. Jonah didn't pray when he got on the boat. Jonah didn't pray when he was in a storm. And Jonah didn't pray when he was swallowed by a fish, and it finally took, so Jonah was at the bottom of the Mediterranean and the bottom of a fish for him to realize that he needed God. And so I hope that's not the case with you, that it takes that, but God loves you enough to do some things to wake us up. And so finally, Jonah goes to Nineveh last week, and he does something that no one expected. Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrians, the most cruel and ruthless people maybe in human history, decide to give up their evil ways and turn away from their violence. And so Jonah was just struck by this. And if you remember last week, I said it is so important for us not to predecide what people might think about God because God's doing something in our hearts all the time and we have no clue what he's doing. And so our, God's, our job is to be faithful and to see what God might wanna do in the people that we love because God is relentless. And today, lastly, I wanna help reframe our perspective on who God is. I wanna help reframe our perspective because sometimes, either due to circumstances in life or just a, a poor perspective, we can't see what God wants us to see. And so today, I hope that's the case for you and for me as we spend time today. In 1987, Martin Hanford came up with an idea. He was an illustrator in the UK, and he came up with an idea. He loved to be among a vast amount of people. And he said, it's so interesting, and people watching is like one of my favorite pastimes, right? There's some great places in Indiana to people watch. You have the Indy 500, right, that yearly supplies more than we could take in in a day. You have some other events that happen, though, that we can just sit back and watch the people. Well, for Martin... In the UK, he loved to illustrate these crowds. So he pitches it to his publisher, and he says, I want to draw a book full of just crowds. And they say, Martin, this will never work. you got to have something for people to focus in on. And so they said, go back to the drawing board and figure out what you can come up with. And he came up with what we now know is Where's Waldo? And if you see the image behind me, right, because our perspective is, is too much going on. And if you've ever seen one of these books, now my grandma used to give me these books, and I understand as an adult why now. This bought grandma 25 to 30 minutes of pure silence, <laughs> right? As I'm sitting there trying to find Waldo, and if you look, Waldo's in the top right corner up there at the top. Now here's why this is so important. In the world in which we live, our perspective is thrown off because there's so many things going on. 
And so today, what God is going to do through Jonah, I hope, in your life, is to narrow down that perspective for, for you to have a focal point to look at, for us to see what's most important to God, because there's a world that looks probably just like this. And there's things that are happening in your life that take our attention away from what's most important. So Martin puts Waldo in, and you know it to be one of the most successful books in UK history as far as in publishing. Interesting, for those of you who are huge Waldo fans, there is a group trying to get Waldo on top of buildings right now. So then you can use Google Earth to play a modern version of Where's Waldo. So uh, stay tuned, that might work. But for today, we don't have time to look for him on Google Earth. If you have your Bible, flip over to Jonah chapter four. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you. That's our gift to you. And in Jonah chapter four, it'll also be on the screen behind me here. We'll start in verse one. It says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than it is to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at the place east of the city, and there he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant, made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant, so it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than it would be to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Jonah chapter 4, verse 1 begins with Jonah say, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. Jonah's mad because the people of Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, he went and told them about what God wanted to do, and instead of killing him, which would have been the normal MO for the Assyrians, they changed their minds. They gave up their evil ways for a time. Jonah's very upset about this from a political standpoint because Jonah it reasons in his mind, if Nineveh stands then northern Israel falls. Because we know about 35 to 40 years later that Assyrians come and wipe out northern Israel. And so in Jonah's mind, he knows that if God didn't intervene in the way that he thought he should intervene, then Israel, as he knows, it is over. And so he's very angry that God did not show up in the ways that he wanted him to show up. And it says in verse 2 that he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is why I tried to forestall fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God. The first thing we notice from Jonah today is that he prayed. So he did learn his lesson from chapter 2. He prayed. It's okay to air your frustrations out with God. Because in airing out your frustrations with God, he will help reframe your perspective. We see him doing this throughout the entire chapter. He keeps asking, is it right for you to be angry about a plant? Is it right for you to be angry about whatever is happening? 
And so God is reframing or refocusing or cropping out everything else that's not important in his life. It's like if God would just magically put a circle around the Waldo and whatever you're trying to figure out in your life. Unfortunately, we aren't always looking for that. And so Jonah prays, and we find the real reason that he didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place. Because Jonah felt like God, Jonah understood God enough to know that God is a gracious and compassionate God. He quotes Exodus 34, verse 6, in verse 2 of chapter 4, where he says, I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. The interesting part of Jonah's quotation is is that he knew God well enough, he left out one really important phrase of Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. You know what it is? He left out the phrase, a God who forgives wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And so Jonah was content to, we all love the gracious God, we all love the compassionate God, we all love the forgiving God as long as it's us, but we don't want that for anybody else. And we say we want that for other people, but it doesn't always turn out that way. Jonah was fine with God's judgment with the people of Nineveh, and we become like Jonah when we're willing to accept God's love and forgiveness for ourselves, but not extend it to other people. Jonah was thinking judgment to Nineveh, judgment, 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 and he couldn't see anything else besides that. You see, we get the chance to see God's love and his justice in perfect balance with Jesus Christ. When Jesus went to the cross, you see his love and his justice perfectly balanced. And what I mean is this. God's love sent his one and only son to be on the cross. We have God's love. He cares enough for you and for me that he wants you to be in a relationship with him. And so we have God's love. But we also have God's justice. And they're in in harmony with one another because God's justice is, is, is done with on the cross because he cancels out sin for all of those who would turn to him. Jonah couldn't see that but you and I can today. Jonah could only see judgment because that's what he was focused on for his enemies. But for you and I today, we know that God can deal with sin and yet also be incredibly loving. And so we become like Jonah when we're willing to accept God's love and forgiveness for ourselves, but not extend it to other people. Go on to verses three and four. Now the Lord or now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than it is to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah said it was better to die. And death seemed better to Jonah because he was so bitter. And Jonah saw the end of his, his country's life as he knew it, and he was incredibly frustrated about that. And so God asked him, is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? Do you really have a reason to be angry about this? And I don't want to minimize Jonah's feelings, right? He, he is a little bit of a drama queen, it seems like. And I have two daughters and worked with high school students for 14 years. And so I can spot a drama queen when I see one. Drama queens are always easy to find until it's you, right? And so Jonah, you're like, is it, I mean, this is not that big a deal, Jonah. Do we really need to die? And I don't want to minimize that either if, if that's how you feel today because of things going on in your life, that, that there's help and there's people who want to help you through that. But for Jonah, it seems a little bit uh, over the top, a little bit melodramatic, if you will. But Jonah was incredibly bitter, and God used his bitterness 
I want you to catch this. God used his bitterness and his lack of understanding of who God really was to reframe what was most important. You see, we all have things that have thrown us off in regards to what's most important. And God starts to patiently and graciously work in Jonah's life, and he wants to do the same in your life as well if you'll just let him to take even those bitter things, those hard things. And so God asked him, uh, is it right for you to be angry? We don't get a response. We just get Jonah, verse five. He goes out and sat down at the place east of the city. And there he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. If you don't remember, Jonah was told to go and tell the people of Nineveh 40 more days and you will be overthrown. So apparently Jonah did the, the minimum effort. He goes into Nineveh and tells everybody 40 more days. They turn, right? They, they change their mind. And Jonah goes out east of the city and sits back and says, let's see how this plays out. And in Jonah's mind, I'm sure he's sitting there thinking like, they're not going to do it. And God's going to destroy him. And I'm going to be on the front seat, front row of what God is going to do. Selfishly, he'd hope they'd fail. He could have helped them understand God better. He could have spent the whole time in Nineveh for 40 days, but he goes out and he decides that he's just gonna selfishly sit outside the city and see what happens. Now there's a clue in chapter two of Jonah as why he thinks this way and, and how his heart had not been completely changed. In Jonah chapter two, verse eight, it says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away for God's love for them. If you remember during his prayer, we think everything's great with Jonah because God's changing his heart and changing his mind, but he throws this phrase in, which really bothers me. And here's why it bothers me. He says, those who cling to worthless idols, Jonah was not thinking of himself. He was thinking of everybody else. Anytime you find yourself saying those people, we do the same thing. When we say those people and we don't accept that we could be any part of that group, that puts us in a dangerous, dangerous place because we're willing to accept God's love and forgiveness for ourselves, but we don't wanna extend it to other people. And we find in Jonah chapter two, verse eight, that, that he's thinking, I have no problems. Those people have problems. I don't need God. Those people need God. And so we find out that Jonah, as he's sitting down east of the city, is probably sitting there going, those people, those people are, God is gonna show up and he's gonna destroy them and it, those people. And so be very careful of the those people mentality. It says, then he, the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head and to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. It doesn't really matter what plant it was, I mean, at this point in this, this story, I mean, on the list of crazy things Christians believe, this is not at the top, right? He already was swallowed by a fish. God creates a plant out of nothing. This is not hard to believe, right? Jesus, by the way, believed in Jonah. We said that in week one. And if you can predict and pull off your own death, burial, and resurrection, we just go with what Jesus says, right? And Jesus, Matthew chapter 12, says that Jonah's the real deal, so we're gonna go with it. So don't get tripped up in the plant. Don't get tripped up in the worm. Don't get tripped up in, the, in the, the scorching east wind. If he's a sovereign God and he's in control of everything, then he can do whatever he wants. But as Jonah is provided this, God provides three times in the next three verses, Jonah was happy. And Jonah was happy because he was comfortable, which is where we all are. If the air conditioning went out like yesterday at my house, 
suddenly comfort is the paramount concern. And so Jonah is happy because he's comfortable. But the moment that God takes away his comfort, Jonah becomes not only not happy, but bitter. You see, God is more dedicated to our good than we are. It says in verse 7 that at dawn the next day God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun, God provided a scorched east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint and he wanted to die and said it would be better for me to die than to live. You see, God is more dedicated to our good than we are because he will do things and allow things into our life to help us become the people that he wants us to be. And so at first Jonah's thinking, I've got this shade I'm out here in the middle. This must be what God wants. And then God sends the worm, and, and Jonah's kind of got to rethink his, his thinking because suddenly he's not comfortable, and he's not happy. You see, God will provide a plant, a worm, a wind, or whatever else we need to reframe our perspective to align with his. And for Jonah, it took a lot. It took a storm. It took a fish. It took a worm. It took a plant. It took a scorching east wind. And even yet, he still doesn't see it because what does he say at the end of verse 7 there? He says, or 8, sorry. He wanted to die and said, it'd be better for me to die than to live. So God asked Jonah once again, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he says, I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. And Jonah's willing to throw in the towel, so to speak, because his comfort is gone. God didn't show up the way that he wanted him to show up. God forgave people that Jonah didn't think should be forgiven. And God extended forgiveness to people that Jonah thought it was only for them. And so in verse 9, as we look and see, he says, I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. God asked a very good question that I would encourage you to throw in to your normal thinking. Is it right for you to be angry? I had something this week that happened in my, well, I had a lot of things happened in my life this week, but one of them in particular, I was pretty frustrated about. And I asked myself, is it right that I'm angry about whatever? That is a clarifying question about what's most important. That is a clarifying question as far as reframing our perspective. And so if you find yourself being agitated or irritated this week, I would encourage you to ask yourself the same question that God asked Jonah. Is it right for you to be angry? Because most of the time, it's probably not. There are some times that it is. We know that from a variety of circumstances in Scripture. So Jonah's just mad. God's trying to help him see the bigger picture. And we see Jonah's heart revealed. And we don't like it because we probably see, well, let me say this, I don't like it because I see too much of myself in Jonah. Mad over things that don't really matter. About things that I should not be concerned about. And so if we're gonna reframe our perspective about what's most important, if we're gonna think through what's the best thing for us, here's a few mistakes I think Jonah made that sometimes I make as well, and maybe you do too. Number one, he experienced grace, but he wasn't willing to extend it to others. Right, We, if you're following Jesus, you've experienced grace beyond our wildest dreams and we don't even fully realize it or experience it in full today. But the first thing he did is he experienced it, right? The fish coughed him up and God gave him a second, third, fourth, fifth chance. 
So the first mistake he made was he experienced grace, but he wasn't willing to extend it to others. And oftentimes it comes back to the those people mentality. You don't understand what those people did to me. And I don't want to mitigate or minimize what has happened to you. But we all have reasons why we don't want to forgive people. And I'm just asking the question that God was asking Jonah. Is it right for you to be angry about that? Number two, he got alone. He went out east of the city by himself. The being alone is the worst place for a selfish person to be because you will justify and you will um, put a rubber stamp on all kinds of craziness because you'll sit there and talk to yourself. You'll say, well, yeah, that's right. I, I mean, they did it to me, right? And so Jonah's second mistake is that he got alone. You see, one of the great benefits we have is hopefully biblical community and that, that we can help each other reframe our perspective. You know, sometimes if I'm, if I'm really by myself and, and kind of to my own thinking, I'll come up with some crazy ideas. And then my wife will walk in and I'll be like, hey, what do you think about this? And she'll be like, that's a crazy idea, right? And then I'll come to maybe my small group or maybe during staffing, I'll be like, you guys think this is a big deal? And they're like, nope, not a big deal, right? They've helped reframe my perspective of what's most important. If you're a selfish person, the worst thing you can do is be alone. Lastly, he became a spectator. He was content to sit back and watch. It's not my problem. Told him God was going to show up and kill them all, and they were going to do what they were going to do. And he became a spectator and was willing to sit back and, and just do nothing. I was reminded, Jake reminded me this week of 1 Thessalonians 2.8. It says, when Paul was using uh, language to describe the Thessalonian people, he said, we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but also our lives as well. You see, we can't just be spectators. There are too many problems in our world that we could step in and help. There are too many people who need Jesus Christ, and we can't be content just to sit back and say, well, we told them about Jesus once, and they didn't respond. They didn't follow him. Oh, we, we, we showed up and tried to help those people, but they didn't want our help. And we sit back like Jonah, and we stand east of the city, and we say, hey, you know what? We're just going to see what happens. That's a cold, callous place to be, unfortunately, where I have been and at times do as well. So God helps Jonah see his perspective in verse 10, and we're gonna spend the rest of our time here. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand and also many animals? Jonah was concerned about the thing that he did nothing to do. He had no control over the plant. It wasn't that his, his great personality that God provided a plant. It was because God loved Jonah, and he's more dedicated to our good than we are. And not only is he dedicated to our good in the things that we like, but he's dedicated to our good in the things that we don't like that will ultimately help us become more like him. And so Jonah starts to be really frustrated, but there's an interesting phrase it says in verse 11, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? Concern could be translated there. We use the word, English word concern, but really it's to look on with compassion. And God is saying that he looks on Nineveh with compassion. And when you have compassion on somebody, you're happy when they're happy, you're sad when they're sad, and the things that bother you most show up. And God says, should I not have compassion? Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? Jonah had the wrong perspective about what God was most concerned about. 
you look at how much of, the, of chapter 4 is all about Jonah, right? Jonah's like, I got a plant, I got a wind, I got a shelter, I got to do this. It was all me, 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 me. And God says, you are missing the point. There are people in Nineveh that don't even know their left hand from their right, most likely referring to children, could be spiritual blindness as well, but definitely for kids. And we look at that and we're like, okay, and God is trying to reframe our perspective like Waldo, trying to get us to see that the most important thing is people. There's a, a, a tragic event that happened this past week that illustrates this perfectly. And as I think about describing this event, you, many of you know it, it's on the southern border of our country, and there's good people on both sides of what's happening down there. Right, and there's political answers, and I don't have political answers today for you. There's good people on both sides. But I offer biblical perspective today. And that is, is if, if it's true that there's kids down there who have been mistreated or, or not been treated well, when you look at what God thinks about that situation, and I'm not telling you what to think in regards to what's the solution. I don't have the solution. But if, in, in all of the mess of our immigration system and our borders and everything, you look at what God sees. It's the 300 kids that we're not taken care of or don't appear to be taken care of that well. And so this has a really clarifying way that it translates into our life. Because come to find out through a whole bunch of other problems, they're trying to get stuff straightened out. It's typical government stuff. But there's going to be something else in your life. If it's not that today, it'll be something else tomorrow where there, it seems like a huge mess is going on. And all you can see is like that first Waldo image that I showed you where there's just so many things going on. And, and I would just encourage you to ask the question, God, what is the most important thing that I need to see? I can guarantee you it will almost always come back to people. And Jonah couldn't see that. And so my hope and my prayer is, is that as a nation, we can uphold the rule of law and we can show compassion at the same time. And we can realize that there are people made in the image of God that just aren't on the southern border, that they're right next door to us. And so whatever difficult situation you're facing this week, can I just encourage you to ask God, what is the most important thing for me to see? And go after that. What is the most important thing? And to go after that. Jonah ends in an interesting way. There's really a tension that the book just ends. We don't know what happens. It just says there's 120,000 people who don't know their left hand from their right, and there's a lot of animals. That's the cliffhanger. We don't know. I think that God wants to use the book of Jonah to turn a mirror back to each one of us, and it's what are we going to do? And so as we close our time today, I, I don't know what Jonah did. I think Jonah probably figured it out eventually. Otherwise, he wouldn't have wrote the scathing <laughs> Marks that he put about himself here. But the real question is not about Jonah. It's what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are we going to be like Jonah and go after what's most important in God's heart, even if it costs us something temporarily here? Are we going to stand back and sit under a shade tree and see what's going to happen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today and the chance we have to look into what's most important to you. And God, I thank you for your, the story of Jonah and God, that it would be a lesson for all of us to see what's most important. 
And God, our world is difficult. It's hard to know what to do and what to say and when to do it. But God, I pray that you'd help the people in this room, that you'd help me. God, to have the right perspective in all situations. Father, that we wouldn't be content like Jonah to sit back and be a spectator and to be alone and to not help others, but that we would, with confidence in you, press forward and push into areas that need help and people who need help as well. God, we know we can't do that on our own and that we need your help. And so God, help us to be not like Jonah, but people who would be willing to step in and help in whatever situation you may lead. And God, I, I'm confident that, uh, that you will direct if we ask for it. And so God, I pray that you'd help these people this week, that you'd help them to have the right perspective about you and the right perspective about what's most important to you. And in your son's name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great week. We'll hope to see you next week. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.